That's what the Holy Spirit does when we're knocked down, when we're discouraged, when we're ready to give up, when we're ready to throw in the towel, when we're ready to just stop serving God. The Holy Spirit of God, the Comforter, comes to you and says, Give up, Christian. Be brave. Be filled with courage. Be emboldened with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We need that work in our lives. The following message is preached by Dustin Logan. Dustin is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lambrook, Arkansas, a church that is laboring for a Christ-centered harvest beginning in the heart of the Delta. For more information, please visit www.fbclambrook.com. Now with a message from God's Word, here is Pastor Logan. Luke 24, verse 52, describes the disciples as having gone back into Jerusalem with joy, worshiping and praising God. If we're supposed to have that kind of attitude, what was it that sparked that in their life? Number one, I want you to recognize this morning, what brings joy in your life is knowing that we have the comforter. Number one, the comforter. Notice what Jesus says about the comforter in verse number eight. He says, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, ye shall have power to be my witnesses. The Holy Ghost. In uh, John's Gospel, chapter number 16, John's Gospel, chapter number 16, we find John talking about the Comforter. John chapter number 16 and verse number 6, Because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. John 16 verse 7, It is expedient, it's necessary for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, what is he going to do? He's going to reprove. That's the word that we get, the English word that we use today, convict. It means to bring to light. It's exactly what a detective does when they're investigating a situation. They ask questions. They look at the evidence. And they say, okay, here's the evidence. I'm going to share it with the jury. And we're going to shed light on this situation. That's what the Holy Ghost of God does in your life. Before you got saved, he convinced you, convicted you, reproved you, brought to light the evidence that you are a sinner. He causes us to realize that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Comforter, number one, ought to encourage us. And what does the Comforter do? He says here that he's going to comfort us. Verse 7, verse 8, he's going to convict us. He's going to convince us, reprove us of what? Sin. When you're praying for a lost person... Just yesterday, I was praying, Lord, I pray that you'd reprove that person of sin. Help them to see that we've all sinned. We're not being judgmental. We're not being condemning. But the law says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Help them to see that we've sinned. And by the way, you can't do that. The preacher can't do that. It has to be a work of who? Verse 7, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. He is the only one that can bring true conviction. Now, people can make you feel bad. People can make you feel sorry. But a lot of times it's after they get what? Caught. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm caught. 
but the Holy Spirit of God convicts us. And you know what happens? When I convince you of something, it's called worldly sorrow. When I make you feel guilty, it's called worldly sorrow. But when the Holy Spirit makes you feel guilty, it's called godly sorrow. And worldly sorrow leads to death. Godly sorrow leads to life. Okay? You see, I can convince you. I can kick you in the hole. But you know what you could do? You can climb yourself out of the hole. Now, when God kicks you out of the hole, God's the only one can get you out of the hole. Can I get amen this morning? You see, there's difference between man-made and comforter. All right, so we see here, verse number 8, he's going to convince the world of sin. And of what? Righteousness. Who is the righteous one? Jesus Christ. Okay? Not only was he righteous through his own divine nature, but he fulfilled righteousness in his human nature. God was already righteous. He didn't need to prove himself to be righteous. And when he came to heaven, he was perfect. When he came to earth, he was perfect. And when he took on the robe of flesh, he was still perfect. But he fulfilled righteousness for you. He fulfilled what you and I could not fulfill of ourselves. And so he lived a perfect, sinless, righteous life. If you're tracking with me, say amen this morning. He came to reprove, uh, reprove to prove to us Holy Spirit brings in our life convincing of sin, convincing of righteousness, that Jesus is the only righteous one. And then verse number 8 tells us of judgment. Of judgment. What judgment is he talking about? Is appointed men once to die, then after this the judgment. There's the gospel right there, folks. There's the gospel. He came to convince us of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. We see here that we should be encouraged by the comforter. The word comforter not only deals with what he's going to reprove us of, of what he's going to comfort us of, but uh, William Barclay draws out the idea of this. Watch this. The word comforter and the word in which it was using here is used to embolden. It means to bring courage. It means to fill with bravery. Now sometimes when you're living the Christian life, it's going to require bravery. Sometimes when you're living the Christian life, it's going to require courage. Sometimes when you're living the Christian life, it's going to require something more to help you. John 16, and uh, look at verse number 1. These things have I spoken unto you that you shall not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. They'll put you out of the synagogues. Let me ask you a question. Is that not what we see happening in America today? They're kicking people out of church for preaching the gospel. They're arresting people. They're persecuting people. He says it's going to happen. Verse 2, they're going to put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think he doth God's service. We do it in the name of health. We're doing it in the name of humanity. We're doing it in the name of the betterment of the kingdom. We're doing it in the, in, in the name of God. Listen to me. It's going to require courage to serve God. It's going to require faith and bravery to serve God. And where does that bravery come? Through the comforter. The word comforter means to fill with bravery, to fill with courage, to fill with emboldenment. How many of you need that today? We need bravery. You're on the job, and, and, uh, and it's going to be tough sometimes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're going to be fearful. You're going to be afraid of the results. You're going to be afraid of what are they going to think about it. It's going to require courage. And where does that courage come? Number one, it comes from the 
comforter. So when they left Bethany, they go back into Jerusalem. They're coming, they're singing, they're worshiping, they're praising God. They are filled with what the Bible says, great joy. Where did it come from, church? Help me. Number one, the comforter. We need to be filled with the comforter. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but that of power and of love and of a sound mind. I've told you this before, but let me remind you of it again. It's kind of like this. Here's the Holy Spirit's work in your life. When you're knocked down, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you feel like you can't go anymore. It's kind of like Rocky Balboa. We got any Rocky fans in the house? Rocky and Tommy, they, they get connected, right? And it, 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 you know, Rocky takes a couple good licks, knocks Tommy down. Tommy gets up and uh, ends up, Rocky is on the ground. Rocky's in his older years. Rocky, it looks like he's out for the count. Rocky can't get up, and he goes back into a vision, and he has a dream. And you remember his trainer, Mickey. Mickey comes to Rocky in this dream, and he says, Get up! Get up, you bum! Get up and fight! Remember that? That's what the Holy Spirit does when we're knocked down, when we're discouraged, when we're ready to give up, when we're ready to throw in the towel, when we're ready to just stop serving God. The Holy Spirit of God, the Comforter, comes to you and says, Get up, Christian. Be brave. Be filled with courage. Be emboldened with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We need that work in our lives. Number two, we see the commission. The commission of God ought to motivate us. What is the commission? Look at it in verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be my what? My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. God didn't want the gospel just to stay in Jerusalem. You know what he wanted it to do? He wanted it to spread. And the means by which God chose for his gospel to spread is us. He wants us to be his what? His witnesses. Now, there's some things we need to understand about this word witness. Number one, you have to have actually seen the account. You have to be able to testify that you didn't just hear say something, but that you actually saw this happen. You show up in a courtroom today and you're on the witness stand. You are not a valid witness if you are using a carried testimony. I can't tell you what my wife told me. Who could say it better than me? My wife. If she's the one that saw it, call her on the witness stand. Right? You, you don't want to hear a borrowed or carried testimony. You actually had to have seen the evidence of what happened. Listen, I wasn't there the day that Jesus was crucified and resurrected and that he rose again and ascended to heaven, but you know what I do have? I was there the day that he saved my soul. And I know what Jesus did in my life. I know how that Jesus brought me from death unto life, from darkness unto light. And, and even just as good as that, I've got the eyewitness accounts filled in the Holy Scriptures. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you hanging on to Grandma, Grandpappy's testimony, or do you have a testimony of you knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior? Whose testimony are you hanging on to? You can't go to uh, heaven uh, riding on somebody else's coattail. You have to have the robe of righteousness placed upon you. You have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I can't depend on my wife's testimony. My kids can't depend on my testimony. Listen, I need to trust in Jesus alone for my personal salvation. 
Number two, we see that we are called to be commissioned witnesses. If we're to be witnesses, number one, we have to have actually seen the situation, seen the event, not just hearsay. The word witnesses also means to be a martyr. You look at the Greek form of this word, you find the word martyr. The word martyr is not a very popular word in our day. But a martyr is someone who is willing to die for what they believed. Are you willing to die for what you believe about Jesus? Because when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God emboldens you with faith to say, you know what, no matter what comes, I'm willing to lay down my life for Jesus. You know, people want to talk about convictions. Oh, my conviction is this. Well, do you know what a conviction is in the court of law? Conviction is something that you're willing to die for. When you go to the judge and you say, my conviction is X, Y, Z, if you're not willing to die for it, it's not a conviction, it's a standard. And a lot of people are living their lives based on standards rather than by convictions of the Word of God. Number one, we see that great joy is brought by the Comforter. Number two, it's brought through our commission. What is the commission? To go to all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the life-changing message that you and I have? It's the gospel. Look, if somebody had the cure for COVID-19, you know what they ought to do? They ought to share it. They ought to tell everybody, hey, we know how to cure COVID-19. We know how to cure the Delta variant. We know how to cure all of this that's happened. We know how to cure cancer. But if they only held that to themselves, all it does is benefit them. But a lot of Christians are living today benefiting themselves because they won't share Jesus. There are great benefits and blessings when you share your faith in Jesus Christ with a lost person that's dying and going to hell. When you share your faith with that person, it is a spread of the gospel. We see our commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. People are dying every single day without knowing Jesus Christ. We need to start praying for sinners. We need to start identifying sinners in our life and praying for them. We need to look for opportunities of loving and serving them. We need to tell them, look, repent of your sin. Believe on Jesus and receive Him as the Lord of your life. Repent from your sin. We've got a lot of people that don't believe they're sinners. They don't believe they're sinners. And if they don't believe they're sinners, they'll never need a Savior. They'll just need a psychologist. They'll just need a doctor. They'll just need somebody that can sit with them and talk them out of the problem. Listen, I don't need a psychologist. I need Jesus. Now, there may be times in my life when a psychologist is helpful. Can I get an amen? But I need Jesus for spiritual things. Amen. Number three, we see the confidence that brings great joy. What's the confidence? Oh, look at it with me. Verse number 11, which also said unto these men of Galilee, Why stand ye here gazing up into where? Into heaven. This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go where? Into heaven. You know what my confidence is? My confidence is Jesus didn't just disappear. He didn't just fade out. He didn't just fizzle out. We didn't just come to the upper room one day and he's gone. You know what? We saw him go into heaven. That brought great joy for the disciples. Now let me ask you a question. If I just didn't show up next Sunday and you didn't know where I was, you'd start wondering, wouldn't you? And then I didn't show up that Sunday night, you'd start wondering. I didn't show up Wednesday night, you'd start wondering. 
I didn't show up the next night. You start wondering. And you, you'd kind of get like, what in the world's going on here? And you'd start questioning some things. But you know what Jesus did? He met with his disciples. And they saw him after 40 days of infallible proofs. They saw him, boom, go into heaven. You know what that did? It brought great joy. It didn't cause them to doubt. It didn't cause them to wonder. It didn't cause them to say, oh, no, what are we going to do? Where did he go? How are we going to replace him? Listen, you need to understand this morning that Jesus didn't just disappear. He went to heaven. Heaven is a definite place. It's not a state of mind. It's not a state of being. Heaven is a real, literal, physical place. You say, well, why can't we see it? It's not for us to see. But one of these days, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many what? Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And he says, listen, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will what? I will come again. Heaven is a real place. It's a definite place. And that gives me confidence this morning that Jesus didn't just disappear Jesus went to heaven. Let me give you these verses. You can write them down and deal with them later. Hebrews 1, verse number 3. What's Jesus doing in heaven? He's seated at the right hand of majesty. Hebrews 1, verse 3. He is seated at the right hand of majesty, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power. What's Jesus doing in heaven? He's seated at the right hand of majesty. Uh, Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. He is our high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. He's our high priest. 1 John 2, 1 through 3. He is our advocate. He's our propitiator. Colossians 1, 18 through 19. He's the head of the church. Mark 16, 19 through 20. He's helping the church. Bible says here that they, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went, therefore, watch this, and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. How's he working with them? Because he's in heaven and he's operating on their behalf. He's governing the universe. Colossians 1 verse 17 Ephesians 1, verse 20 through 21. 1 Peter 3, verse 22. All angels, authorities, and powers are subject to his authority. That gives us confidence. Jesus isn't in heaven twiddling his thumbs. He isn't worried about what Hannity is going to say on the next Fox News program. He isn't worried about what CNN is going to cover. He isn't worried about what the next social media is going to be trending. Jesus is in heaven working on our behalf. He is governing the universe. He has all angels, principalities, and powers subject to his authority. He is the head of the church. He is working on our behalf. He is our advocate. He is our propitiator. He is the one that is working for us, and that gives us confidence this morning, that when we come to the house of God on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, on a Wednesday night, for revival, for vacation Bible school, we're not meeting in vain. We are meeting with the Holy One of God.
That's confidence. Finally, this morning, His coming. His coming. It begs me to ask you this question today. Are you ready for Him to come? He's coming twice. The first time He's coming to take up the bride. You say, what's the bride? Every person who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, you become part of the bride of Christ. We're part of the bride. And He's coming soon. Are you ready? The second coming, He's coming to establish His millennial reign for a thousand years. Satan's going to be bound. And then He's going to be cast into a lake of fire for all of eternity. There's going to be a thousand-year millennial reign, and Jesus is going to be king. He's not going to be a Democrat. He's not going to be an independent. He's not going to be a libertarian. He's not going to be a Republican. He's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. We're going to be ruling under a theocracy. What's a theocracy? It's different than a democracy or a, uh, or a republic. It's a theocracy, which means theos, God, ocracy, rule, God, rules. King Jesus is coming, folks. He's going to establish his new kingdom. The new heaven and new earth will follow that. I wonder, are you going to be part of it? Are you ready? You see, I'm not living this day for this day. I'm living this day for that day. I said, I'm not living this day for this day. I'm living this day for that day. I'm living Monday for that day, Tuesday for that day, Wednesday for that day, Thursday for that day, Friday for that day, Saturday for that day, Sunday for that day. I'm living every day for that day. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do the same. This message was brought to you by First Baptist Church of Lambrook, Arkansas. To hear more messages like this one, or if we can be of service to you in any way, please contact us at www.fbclambrook.com. We would love to hear from you. God bless you, and thank you for listening.